Welcome to Your Path to Real Wealth, where we explore how to cultivate real wealth, which is so much more than money. It's the sum quality of our values, relationships, health, sense of purpose, time, charitable giving, legacy, and more. Your path to real wealth begins now. Choosing an advisor for your financial journey hopefully means partnering with someone who shares your goals and attitudes and with whom you can feel comfortable. Your hosts from Blue Barn Wealth, Jeff Brimhall, Benjamin Cummings, and Hiram Smith have an investment philosophy. Jeff, how would you describe that philosophy? Thanks, Patrice. Uh, at a high level, I'd say our philosophy is to help our clients get the best possible investments at the lowest possible price. We understand the, the impact that costs can have on investments, uh, but we don't let that drive the decision. We're also out looking for what investments we think are best. And we want to take a long-term strategic approach to investments uh, that over time helps accomplish, allows the clients to accomplish their long-term goals. And so we want to set their overall investment portfolio to match the outcomes that they're hoping to achieve in accomplishing those goals. And we want to help take the emotions out of uh, the decision and the investment process. There was a study done uh, by a group called Dalbar that looked at returns from 2001 to 2020. And it showed that, you know, in a regular 60-40 portfolio, the return would have been 6.4% per year, but the average investor only got 2.9% per year, significantly below what the markets would have allowed them to achieve. And we are trying to help our clients avoid that uh, through our service, our expertise, uh, having a long-term approach. We want to help our clients to achieve market-level returns, or hopefully even better if, if uh, that's the desire, and uh, so that they can accomplish their long-term goals. Why did the average investor get so much less? You know, that's a great question. There's a, a lot of academic research that tries to speak to the, the behavior of individual investors. We'll try and touch on some of that here. I, I think really one of the big drivers is overconfidence, is that it's, it's natural to think that because of the ease and access to financial markets now, especially compared to previous generations, it's it's easy to get caught up in the idea that hey I I know what I'm doing I I, I can trade and I can buy and sell and I can make a return and so a, a lot of the academic research points to the idea that overconfidence is a big driver for the reason for underperformance people think they can invest better than they actually can and part of that's also driven by the behavioral aspects of of talking about it is that people like to talk about the things they did well and the investments that they chose well but then they're more silent on the things that they didn't do so well. And so you know, that kind of plays into it as well is that we, we only hear about the good things that others may be doing and we don't necessarily hear about the bad investment choices. You know, another big driver is what's called the disposition effect. This idea of the disposition effect is that we tend to sell winners and we hold on to losers. We don't like the idea of recognizing losses. It, it hurts to, to recognize those losses but we like the idea of locking in the gains. The challenge though, is that it, the returns after selling losses and conversely holding onto those losers is the opposite of what would have been better in the long run. And so we're actually better in the short run to hold on to some of those winners and to actually sell the losses and cut those losses, not just from a tax perspective, but also from an investment perspective. So the, the term there, the disposition effect uh, also drives a lot of that difference. You know, lastly that I, I hit on here is that we tend to be influenced by what we see in the media. 
that a lot of our investment decisions just in general, especially here in America, is driven by what stocks we see talked about in the media. And so those are the ones that tend to have more activity, trading activity, not necessarily better performance, but just more trading activity. So the volume of trades tends to be better based on those that are in the media. So you know, those are some of the reasons why the average investor tends to get less than what we might expect. Uh, and so it, we really do see value in having a decision-making partner in investments simply because we can help overcome some of those uh, tendencies that, that might lead to poor returns on our own. Just plain old having somebody to talk to as well. The investor it gets a much broader perspective, I think, of what's going on out there. Um, but yes, who likes to sell anything that's losing? No. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it is. So when you first start to work with a client to set up a portfolio, What's step one? Where do you start? We don't take a one-size-fits-all approach. So we really spend a lot of time up front trying to understand the client and their, their investment horizon, how they feel about risk. And so generally, we'll start with a risk questionnaire that they'll, they'll take, um, but we don't just then assign them to a portfolio based on the responses to that risk questionnaire. We actually sit down and have a conversation with them and make sure we understand how they feel. And through that process, we'll, we, 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 we can craft what we believe is a good investment plan, strategy, even looking at their cash flow needs. For example, somebody's recently retired. They no longer have a paycheck. So how do they how do we make sure that they have cash flow set aside or investments that will help meet cash flow needs? So we'll we'll sometimes adopt a bond laddering strategy, something that will specifically target those cash flow needs. That's just an example of how we'll try and customize portfolio. So that's really every client that comes in, we go through this process of understanding them, what's important to them, their cash flow needs, how they feel about risk, their investment horizon, and then we'll craft an individual portfolio to, to meet those needs. So what's involved in your investment process? Once we sit down and understand a client's risk profile, how they feel about risk and we understand their needs and so forth, then we'll, the next step is to look at and craft an asset allocation, allocation between different bonds and stocks. And then after we understand that, then we need to select investments to implement that asset allocation. And then finally, one unique thing we do at a firm is, is asset location, where we actually look at, okay, so for example, a client has a 60% bond, 40% stock portfolio, and they have a, a, a taxable account and they have an IRA. Is there a better place to put or locate the bonds versus the in the taxable or in the IRA account, generally the IRA account, because it's already tax deferred and, and tax free can grow tax free. So we take asset allocation, asset selection, and then asset location is our general high level process. All right. Asset allocation. I mean, we hear that all the time. What is it? Yeah, that's a great question, Patrice. So the idea of asset allocation is that you're diversifying your investments because you want to decrease the risk. Now, what do we mean by risk? Well, that's the, the volatility or the fluctuations of our portfolio and how it's doing. It kind of, kind of like to think of it like this, that asset allocation builds on that old adage that you don't want to put all your eggs in the same basket, but it goes beyond that. You also don't want to put all your eggs in the same type of basket. And you want to store your baskets in different locations. Because if you've you know got all your baskets in the chicken coop and the fox gets in, 
still not going to do any good. So you need different, different types of baskets in case one type of basket fails or, or doesn't do as well as you might've hoped. And you want those baskets in different locations. So you're diversifying on a lot of different levels. So what does that look like in investments? Well, we want to diversify not just by buying a bunch of large US companies on the stock side, but we're also going to figure out if there's a place for small US companies, international companies that are in developed markets and, and international companies in emerging markets, et cetera. So you want to determine how much to invest in each of these types of investments so that you have them in different locations and different types. We do the same thing on the stock side that we do in the bond side. So we think about how much to hold in US-based bonds or international bonds or also high yield bonds, et cetera. So in the end, you end up with a portfolio that has a, a mix of investments, different types of investments that are in different places. All that is designed to help reduce the various types of risks that your portfolio is going to face. So, so, so you might ask, well, why, why do this? Like why go through this process of asset allocation? Well, it's because we never know ahead of time which type of asset, which we call asset classes, which type of asset classes are going to do best. And so we want to hold a little bit of everything. We want to make sure that you're diversified because each asset is going to perform a little differently. We want to make sure that as we monitor your portfolio, we can take advantage of times when there's volatility, there's variation in the way that they perform. So it helps reduce that investment risk by holding a little bit of these different types of assets. You know, I, I, I think lastly, one of the big reasons for asset allocation is that it, it tends to be less emotionally draining than if we were trying to pick the best stock or trying to time when to get in and out of the market. We, you know, we recognize that investments is just a means to an end, that it's not the end goal, that we want to help manage the investments to help our clients achieve their long-term goals. That's the objective. That's what we view as part of the real wealth is accomplishing your goals. So you know, we don't try and pick the next hot stock. We don't try and tell you when to buy and sell. What we do instead is we try and minimize that emotional journey so that you can focus your investments on accomplishing those longer term goals that ultimately is going to help you live a more simple, intentional, and meaningful life. That's what we try and do for our clients. Talk to me more about specific types of investments that you like or that you select. Yeah, we a uh, couple different options that we can take. And that's one of the unique things we believe in customizing all these, the asset allocation itself. How do we implement that? And there's a few different options. One of which, which is probably one of our most common is to use a broadly diversified portfolio of index, index funds or, and what is an index fund? It's a, it's a, it's a fund that invests in stocks or bonds that track an index or a standard. So for example, on the news, a lot of times we hear the Dow Jones industrial average is up or the S&P 500 is up by a certain percentage. Well, you can actually invest in a fund that just tries to track that and can get you exposure to that index or, or that. And the advantage of, of investing in a diverse diversified portfolio of, of index funds is the the cost the expense ratios on these funds tend to be much lower in fact some of our lowest are at 0.03%. So it's it's a really great way to craft a portfolio to implement an allocation between different bonds and stock asset classes at a really efficient and effective level that can help get exposure to get those market level returns. 
uh, low cost index tracking investments that we do that are intended to try to help clients get the market level returns. We talked about in the beginning how the average investor might uh, or historically has performed significantly below kind of market level returns. We want to at least help our clients get those market level returns by doing the investment tracking low cost um, approach through either exchange traded funds or index mutual funds, et cetera, as higher mentioned. But based on our client's specific situation, the level of risk that they want to take on, uh, the, the size of their accounts, their level of sophistication or comfort with uh, some different types of investments, and or their willingness to have some illiquid investments, meaning investments that you can't just turn around and sell. Uh, the investments in, in option one are all liquid. So I can, I can sell them tomorrow if I decide that I don't wanna hold them. There's good and bad to that because you may choose to sell them at the wrong time or when you get emotional, we try to help clients avoid that obviously. And, and we don't sell them, we, you know, ourselves are human and we're, you know, we're susceptible to doing things emotionally, but through our process, we try to avoid that. But the idea is with uh, liquid investments, you can sell them at any time. And we always think that a portion of the portfolio needs to be liquid if some unexpected needs come up and clients require those funds be returned for whatever reason. But if the client is willing to assume some illiquidity, uh, meaning they invest in something that they may not be able to get the principal back for a number of years, uh, and they're comfortable with that for a portion of their wealth, then we can consider some of these other options. So we have two additional options, and, and it's not all or nothing. We can mix and match these as needed uh, for a client. But option two, instead of investing in a fund and sending money out of your account to a fund manager, whether that's at Vanguard or at Schwab or at BlackRock or some of these other fund providers, these index fund providers, and you take money out of your account, send it to them, and you're investing in a pool of assets along with all the other people invested in that strategy, uh, we can actually invest in a way that keeps the money in your account and you own the individual stocks and bonds directly in your account. And so the benefit of this is that you're not impacted by the behavior of the other investors in the, in the pooled fund. So if I invest in a, a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund and all the other people invest in that fund get scared because the market drops during COVID or something and they want to sell, then they're going to start pulling their money out of the fund. Well, the fund manager has no other option but to start selling things to generate the cash so that he can send it back to the other investors in the fund. And so then he becomes a forced seller. He has to be selling things when the market's down, even if he doesn't want to. And because you're participating in that fund as a pro rata member of the fund, then you're impacted by the sale of those assets at a reduced price. And there's a similar impact when stocks may go up and he sells uh, and, and locks in some gains that you may or may not have benefited from. Uh, you are taxed on those gains as if you benefited from them. So having your money in a co-mingled fund with other investors has some downsides. The benefit is you get broad diversification at a very low cost and there's some great benefits there, but the downside is you're impacted by the behavior of other investors and you have less control over the taxation and some other things. And so there's a separate, a different approach once account sizes get to be large enough where we can use either something called separately managed accounts or unified managed accounts. And they're very similar. In both cases, you own the individual stocks or bonds directly in your account instead of commingling it with other investors. And so you're not impacted by a decision from another investor to buy or sell at a time when the market is up 
or the market is down. And we're not the ones picking the individual stocks and bonds for you. Instead, we uh, license the intellectual property from experts in a specific area or a specific asset type to provide the guidance or recommendation on what to buy and when to buy it, when to sell it, and so forth. And so through this approach, uh, they send the information of what to own and when to buy it. And um, then we implement that directly in your account. And so you're still getting professional management. It's at a very effective cost. And, but you're getting the other benefits of actually owning the individual stocks in your account. So some of those benefits are that from uh, a charitable giving standpoint, donating appreciated assets is a much more efficient way to, to give charitably than donating cash because you're not taxed on the appreciation. And when you own individual stocks in your account, you can pick that one that has gone up the most and donate that for charitable purposes and save the most in taxes. If you own the S&P 500 index fund, uh, then you own 500 stocks and you can't pick which stock went up by the most because you own all of them in the fund. You could donate the fund for charity, but not individual stocks within that. So you can't pick the one that's gone up by the most. Similarly for tax loss harvesting, if uh, you, you have some in any year, there's going to be some stocks that go up, some that go down. And if you own the individual stocks in your account, you can choose to sell those that have gone down, harvest the loss, offset that against some of the gains, and it becomes a more efficient way to invest from a tax perspective. So these separately managed accounts or unified managed accounts provide some additional level of control over the investment portfolio that you don't have by investing through the uh, funds that we talked about, the index tracking funds. Now, they, the cost is a little bit higher but there's a benefit there. And we try to weigh that for a client to see if that's a fit for them. In addition to that, we have you know, option three, which is now we're going to add some of these illiquid investments or private investments in addition to the liquid publicly traded investments. And so that might include things like private debt, private equity, um, hedge funds, some natural resource investments, some structured products. So these are additional types of investments uh, some of which are illiquid, meaning I'm going to invest today. I may not get my money back for a year from now, or it may not be available to me uh, until a year from now or five years from now. And I'm going to you know, invest for the long term in this type of investment. We generally recommend that no more than 30 to 40% of a client's account be in illiquid type investments, but they can be a great diversification tool for the right client that has the right level of assets. So just as a story, we had some clients who sold a technology company and there were three partners and they all received a very large payout from selling this company. And so we wanted to create for them an endowment style model that was similar to how large institutions might invest their large endowments that are meant to go on for many years and fund specific mandates and so forth over time. And so we took the different proceeds that they received from selling their business, and we broke that up between some municipal bonds, uh, a section for public equity, some allocation of hedge funds, some structured notes, some private credit, and some private equity, and created an overall allocation to meet the long-term goals of each of these clients. And so I guess the point is, again, you don't have to pick option one, two, or three. We can blend them together for an individual client based on the level of sophistication, understanding, willingness to take on the different types of risk, and desire for illiquidity or you know willingness to accept illiquidity. But we just want to make it clear that we have 
the ability to offer all of these things to our clients and the level of understanding of these different types of investments and the connection to those who provide these investments to do the due diligence and help select, again, the best possible investment at the lowest possible price. And it's not a one size fits all, as Hiram says. You can see there's a broad array of the different types of investments that we can provide to our clients. And we truly try to custom the portfolio across these different options and types of investments to meet the long-term goals of each of our clients. Not only ability, but the enthusiasm for the investing. <laughs> Jeff, you really sound like you get into in to investing wholeheartedly. Thank you, Patrice. That, that's not a compliment I often receive. Most people don't call me enthusiastic, so thank you. <laughs> well, are there any other thoughts before we wrap this up, gentlemen? You know, just as we've been talking about this, I, I love that really what we've been able to do is we want to meet clients where they are and help grow with them. So wherever they are on their financial journey, we have a, an investment approach that we can customize to them. And as their life circumstances change, whatever that may be, we're ready to adjust as well with those changes. And so I, I really love that the, the offerings that we've been able to put together at our firm and, and really feel like it's a great value that we provide for our clients. I just like to add that we're also a fiduciary. And so any of the investments we recommend to our clients, we're not, we're not getting paid for them. And so whether uh, our clients invest in the option one that we talked about or option two or option three, it, it doesn't matter to us in the sense of how we get paid. Uh, we're only trying to recommend those things because we feel like it's what's best to help our clients meet their long-term goals. And so as a fiduciary, we believe it puts us on the same side of the table with our clients. You don't have to wonder like, is Blue Barn Wealth recommending this because they're going to make money off of it? Or is it because they think it's a good investment? And it's always the latter. It's because we think it's a good investment. That doesn't mean it's going to be a good investment, but it's that's what we think. And that's why we're recommending it. So I think that's a key point to, for people to keep in mind that as a fiduciary, we're not getting paid by the investments. We don't have any kind of tie to them. We have no reason to recommend one over the other, other than we think it's the best. And so, you know, in summary, we're trying to provide our, our clients quality investments at a reasonable price, uh, at the appropriate risk level, with broad diversification that's customized to meet their needs and reach their long-term goals. Well, there are people out there who will want to talk to you about this. So how can they reach you? The best way is to go to our website, bluebarnwealth.com. Uh, we try and provide as much information as we can on there. So if people want to learn more about our services, uh, our investment approach, that's the best place to go. We've got a contact us page and then they can get, to it, get a hold of us there. All right, gentlemen, Jeff Brimhall, Benjamin Cummings, Hiram Smith, thank you so much for this. All you listeners, please follow the podcast. That way you'll know when a new one is ready for you. And of course, all the information in here is something you really need to share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Your Path to Real Wealth from Blue Barn Wealth. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and any guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Blue Barn Wealth. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for personalized investment advice. Because everyone's situation is unique, always seek the advice of a qualified financial professional with any questions you may have.